0: And if you go there, you'll find more information on how you can subscribe to this podcast as well. We love hearing from you, so please feel free to contact us with any questions and comments that you may have. Well, we're going to go on into our study now. Let me invite you to go ahead and take your Bible and turn with us because I know it's going to be a blessing to you. Have your Bibles turn to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. We're going to pick it up in verse 11 tonight. Romans chapter 6, verse 11. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our lord the word reckon in the greek is logizoma logizoma and it means to reckon to count to compute to take into account it gives the idea of taking a group of numbers and adding them up trying to get to a grand total of of what those numbers end up being uh, with that in mind, we need to add up everything that Paul has said in these first ten verses of Romans chapter 6. And we need to take a look at that in verses 3 and 4. Paul said we are baptized in the Christ and we're baptized into his death. The Greek word for baptism is baptisma. And it refers to something being placed into a new environment or into union with something else in order to alter or change its condition. At the moment of salvation, God placed us into union with the Lord Jesus Christ. That means that when Jesus died on Calvary, we died with him. When Jesus was buried in the tomb, we were buried with him. When Jesus was raised from the dead, uh, we were raised with him as well. Now, in Romans 6 and verse 6, Paul said, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. That refers to everything that we were prior to salvation. We died with him. That that old man is is done away with. That the body of sin might be destroyed. Now that's not talking about our physical body. That is talking about the power of the sin nature being broken within our hearts and lives. That henceforth we should not serve sin. And look at that word serve sin. As we stated several weeks ago. The word sin is used as a noun, and it is personified in Romans chapter 5 and verse 21. It is pictured as a king ruling and reigning within the heart and life of the human being. And... In the sixth chapter, as we're reading through this chapter, the word sin is used as a noun. And if you will substitute the term sin nature, as you're reading down through this chapter, you'll come away with a better understanding of what's being said. That henceforth we should not serve, and in the... Uh, original Greek text, we have what is known as the definite article in front of the word sin, and the definite article uh, translated over into our English would be the sin, that we should not serve the sin, and taking into account the word sin is being used as a noun here, a person, place, or thing, uh, we should not serve the sin nature, and we're all born as slaves to the sin nature. When a person was born a slave, they had to do whatever the master told them to do, and it was for life. The only way of getting out of being a slave was if for some reason the slave owner up and said, I'm going to set you free, I'm going to let you go, which that very rarely happened or the person died or somehow or another they came into a lot of money and bought their freedom or whatever the case but the main way they got out from being a slave was to die Paul said, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. When Jesus died on Calvary and was crucified, we were crucified with him. And his death was our death. And his death, being crucified with him, has set us free from the old master of the sin nature. We don't have to obey it. Anymore, we don't have to serve it anymore. Why? Look at Romans six and verse seven. The scripture says, "For he that is dead is freed from sin." All right, look at verse nine, if you will. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more; death hath no more dominion over him. When Jesus died on Calvary, he defeated sin. He defeated the devil. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. It has no more dominion over him. And his resurrection is proof of that victory. In Colossians 2 and verse 15, the apostle Paul said, Having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. We just sung about it a few moments ago. There's victory in Jesus Christ. We're baptized into Christ. We're baptized into his death, which means his victory is our victory. Now, if you will, look at verse 10, Romans 6, verse 10. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. Once was enough. And what Jesus did was complete. It needs nothing else added to it. It is a finished work. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Everything that Christ did was in accordance to the word of God. And then we come to verse 11. likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto the sin nature, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. If there's such a thing as a formula for living for God in the Word of God, this is it right here. Again, we need to add up all that God has given us in these first ten verses. Number one, we need to reckon ourselves to be in union with Christ. His death was our death. His burial is our burial. His resurrection is our resurrection. And that's not talking about the rapture one day, although that's going to happen, thank God, and it could be right around the corner. But it's talking about resurrection life right now. His resurrection life is our resurrection life right now, which means His victory is our victory. We need to understand that. We need to start proclaiming that with our mouths. And uh, we need to do that by faith. Number two, we need to reckon ourselves to be dead indeed to the sin nature. That old slave master no longer has authority to dominate us in any way. We need to understand that. We need to start proclaiming that by faith as a child of God. Number three, we need to reckon ourselves to be alive unto God. Just as Jesus lived unto God by the power of the Holy Spirit in accordance to the Word of God, uh, we now have that same power implanted within our hearts and lives. And we now have uh, that ability to please God and, If we will walk in the Spirit and cooperate with the Spirit, He'll help us to live a life that's pleasing to God. Number four, we need to understand that all of these great benefits have been brought about through Jesus Christ our Lord. He has done it all leaving nothing hanging for you and I to do. Jesus Christ has done it all. All we have to do is believe. That's our part. That's where our fight is. We're called upon to fight a good fight of faith. And we're going to look at something. Go to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 22 if you will. We look at our lives after coming to Christ. The power of the sin nature is broken. And just a few weeks ago I likened it unto a water pump in, the, in a plant that went to pumping water all over everywhere. There won't nobody there to shut it off. I remember we had a machine in that plant. It was it was bad for leaking oil. I stepped around the corner going into that particular area where this machine was at. It blowed an oil line. I mean, 2,500 pounds of pressure, oil, shot straight up to the ceiling. And I mean, it was just blowing oil everywhere. The floor was slick. The first thing you want to do in a situation like that is cut the pump off. That's the first thing you do. You don't run, grab a mop, and go mopping oil while the pump is still pumping oil all over everywhere. That's crazy. That's what a lot of people are trying to do with psychology and a lot of other things. They're trying to clean up. The outside, without shutting the pump off, that old pump of the sin nature, you've got to shut it down. And the way you shut it down is by simple faith in Christ and what he did for us at Calvary's Cross. That pump has to be shut down. But there's a big mess when the pump is shut down, when the sin nature is shut down. There's a big mess there to clean up. And look... It takes a while to clean it up. That thing blowed oil, slammed to the ceiling. It got in a piece of U-channel up in the ceiling, and it run all the way down the full length of the plant and come out a little hole that was in that piece of channel and dripped out on the floor. And it was my job about every other day to go around the plant with a mop bucket and mop the oil up. Well, I automatically go to where the machines is at. But we had a spot there where they won't no machine, and every week there was a puddle of oil sitting there. Where in the world is all this oil coming from? Well, it comes from that machine that blowed the oil line off back some weeks ago. It took time for it to run all the way down and then come out. So it takes a while to clean up the mess that the sin nature has produced and, and made in our lives. And in Ephesians 4, verse 22... The scripture says we need to put off concerning the former conversation or lifestyle, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. I'm not that person I used to be anymore. There's been a change in my life. Verse 23, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, That means that we are to continue learning about our salvation. And as well, we need to reckon ourselves according to what the Word of God says that we are. Verse 24. And that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. We're a new creature in Christ Jesus. And the old things have passed away. Verse 25, wherefore putting away lying. Look at that. Putting away lying. Speak every man the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Lying is learned at an early age. And although the sin nature is shut off and cut, and cut off, And we're saved, we have a tendency to lie about things from time to time. And when a person tells a lie, their faith is not so much in God as it is in me giving this misinformation to get out of something or to better my situation. The, the, the faith is in myself, it's not in God. It is something that was learned at an early age and it carries on over into our living for God. I know people right now, they'll stand right there and tell you a lie when it's easy to tell the truth. It would have been much easier to have come forward and told the truth than to come out and tell, I know some people that can outlie a cross-tie and it lying right straight and the train running down it every day. They just cannot tell the truth at any rate. He said, put on the new man and put away lying. I think the reason lying is such a problem is it becomes a habit to some people. And some of those old habits are hard to break. He said in verse 26, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Now, anger is also learned at an early age. Or if I get angry and throw a fit, I can get my way. Well, I got two girls that'll tell you, they'll get their tail tore up. Hello? Well, when that tail don't get tore up, you grow up, and that's why you got a lot of people that get angry Road rage. Neither give place to the devil. That's when you get so mad, you do something, you say something, you give an ungodly gesture to someone riding down the road when they've cut you off or whatever the case, and you just forgot about that Christian uh, bumper bumper sticker you've, you've got on your car. You've just given place to the devil. Well, there was that Christian that just throwed his finger up to me, and he won't wave and happy thoughts toward me. <laughs> Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have uh, to give to him that needeth. Stealing, in essence, is not trusting God to supply our needs when you get right down to it. And there are some people... They've just, they, they just get something out of stealing. Some time ago, they had it all over the news. This, this young girl, well-known singer, makes plenty of money. That, I mean, money is not an issue. She was caught going into this store and stealing. Why did, why did she do it? Because she wanted to. And she didn't need it. It, it just becomes a habit. To some people, and these are habits and things, these are things that are left behind. Although the sin nature is shut down, these are things that are left behind in our lives that only the Holy Spirit can clean up and change. We can't do it, and I'm going to deal with that in just a moment. Verse 29 Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Now, immediately we think of someone who curses and swears and and that sort of thing. Back in the day, I could cuss 15 minutes straight and never repeat the same word twice. Sailors would come to me and learn how to cuss. I'm serious. Dana Dana will tell you, Uh, but God cleaned all of that up. But he still has work to do as it pertains to corrupt communication. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, I'm talking about bad-mouthing about stuff. Always talking negative about stuff. My situation is worse than anybody else's talking like that makes god look bad. It makes god look as if though that he he don't take care of his own children. And such talking grieves the holy spirit which brings me to the next verse, verse 30. Grieve not the holy spirit of god whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Look at the next verse, verse 31. Let all bitterness. We're talking about things that are left over the cobwebs, if you will, of the fall. That spider is dead, but you can still see the cobwebs from where he used to exist at one time. And this is the way I like in psychology and a lot of the efforts of man. It's like taking a broom and going around the edge of your porch or the, or around the house and you see that cobweb and you knock it down and you tear it down. Well, you come back a few days later and there it is again. You've still got the same problem. Keeps reoccurring. Why? Because you ain't dealt with that spider. That spider of the sin nature has to be dealt with if you're going to get rid of the cobwebs. But you can get rid of the spider. But you'll still find that there are some cobwebs left around from where he once had the problem. And these are some things we're talking about. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. These are cobwebs. These are puddles of oil, if you will. These are places that God will point out to you that are deep down inside your heart. God knows how to bring them to the surface and show them to you that they do exist and they need to be addressed and dealt with. And uh, like I said, all of these are left over from what was once an active sin nature. They need to be put away. They can only be put away by reckoning ourselves to be in union with Christ, reckoning ourselves to be dead to the sin nature, and alive unto God by the power of the Holy Spirit. Only then can we be, as verse 32 says, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Now, here's the problem. We look at these things that are in our lives and we try to fix them by our own self-efforts and we fail every time. And every time we fail... We get discouraged. That's where the good fight of faith comes in. We're not called upon to fight these things in our lives. We are called upon to fight a good fight of faith. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Move down, if you will, to verse 6. 1 Timothy 6, verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be uh, therewith content. But they that will be rich... Fall into temptation and a snare. And into many foolish and hurtful lusts. Which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil. Which while some coveted after. They have erred from the faith. And pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God. Flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. The Holy Spirit in this passage is very clear. We can either follow the world and the things of the world, or we can either follow after God, but you can't do both. It's very clear in that. Then he said, verse 12, fight the good fight of faith. That's where your fight is at. You see these things that have been left over as a result of the sin nature, and you try to address these things within yourself, your own self-effort, you fail every time, and you get discouraged. Our fight is a fight of faith. If you're fighting the sin nature and something else, you're you're losing. You're fighting the wrong battle. Jesus fought that battle on the cross of Calvary, and he won. There's no need in you trying to fight the Civil War or any other war of the past. It is what it is. And Jesus Christ has already fought that battle and won it for us. He said there, lay hold on eternal life whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Here is your good profession of faith. Romans 6 verse 11. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto the sin nature, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And we need to rest in that. You need to rest in what God has told us about ourselves in His Word. Stop trying to do that which only the Holy Spirit can do. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He's done it. He's done all that needs to be done. All our part is, is to put our faith in what he's done. He said, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest Unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light.